0: Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. I'm Nick Waxman and today we will be treated to part one of an interview with Anthony Crowley, writer, director of Motormouth Love Suckface, presented at La Mama Theatre as part of the 2018 VCE Theatre Studies Unit 4 playlist. Crowley is an award-winning playwright, composer, director, designer, dramaturg, and educator. He is the founding director of Homemade Musicals, The Wild Blue Company, and The Songsmiths. While his body of work includes musicals, opera, cabaret, plays, devised theatre, performance, and several short works in addition to corporate, government, and community projects. He is the recipient of too many major commissions and awards to mention, but here are a few the Victorian Premier's Literary Award for Best Musical Theatre Script, the Malcolm Roberts Prize for Drama, the Sumner Locke Elliott New Dramatist Award, and the R.E. Ross Trust Award. Crowley also has a strong interest in the education and mentoring of young artists. He is a former artistic director and CEO of Victoria's St. Martin's Youth Arts Centre and a former head of music at the National Institute of Dramatic Art. He has worked with Playbox Theatre, Malthouse Theatre, NIDA, VCA, WAPA, MTC, and, well, the list goes on. This interview was not recorded in the studio, so the audio quality is not as high as usual. Anthony and I were able to speak for over an hour. So, with no further ado, I bring you Anthony Crowley.
1: Hello. Hello. Great to be here on the podcast. I'm looking forward to
0: this. It should be fun. Can you talk about the development of the characters in Motormouth Love Suckface? Yeah, well, I, <clears throat> they certainly um,
1: feature strongly in the script but it started its life when I was the artistic director of St. Martin's Youth Art Centre and we had uh, some really wonderful actors who were sort of young in their, in their teens and I spent a lot of time with them and we kind of did a lot of um, research and that kind of led to uh, the script before it became a musical that the musical was based on. So we kind of talked to them about the sort of things that they were interested in, that they were engaged with, that they, they, that they wanted to change. I've always been interested in idealism and, um, and bucking the status quo and looking for something better. So that was kind of where we all, we all met and, um, started from there.
0: Can you talk about how Motormouth and Suckface are manifested theatrically through the expressive skills?
1: So they're two, they're kind of a, um, the central love uh, interest in it. It's a musical comedy and um, like all good comedies, um, there's a, a, a love of, you know, two lovers in it and uh, something is keeping them apart um, And apart from the fact that the world's about to end, and they're both virgins, and they're trying to, so we've got that kind of, you know, classic archetype of two virgins at the end of the world, trying to, um, trying to express their love to each other before the entire planet is kind of annihilated, and so we sort of follow their journey, you know, from beginning to end, right through it.
0: How are the actors on stage going to bring these characters to life? They have to
1: both play much larger than life. So stylistically those characters are not naturalism. Um, They are a heightened amplified um, version of, you know, idiosyncrasies that you find in people, but they're not naturalism. So they've got to find a way to play the humour in the piece really seriously or it's not funny uh, at, at the heightened, and they've got to find a way to deal with the language in the piece because that's actually that guides them to the character. The language is really very specific uh, and guides them to that heightened character. But if they move towards anything that's grotesque, then it's not funny anymore, and we don't care about the characters anymore. So the great balance is finding, allowing it to be amplified, but always placing at the center of the performance the truth of that of, of whatever moment they're performing and I think that's the big challenge for actors uh, playing those two roles and it's always a note that any actor who's played that role gets is that it's it's taken one step too far into grotesqueness particularly in front of an audience there is a <laughs> tendency for it to be for them to start to like think play the the joke that they think is there which they an actor often thinks belongs to the grotesqueness, but it's actually not. We don't laugh, laugh at Bottom in A Midsummer Night's Dream because he's um, because he's grotesque. We laugh at him because he's so because if he's we wearing the we laugh because he's wearing the donkey thing. That's true, but we're more laughing at how um, you know proud he is. And how delusional he is when he's in Titania's bed, you know? Uh, mm. So that's the that's a big challenge for those two actors. All of the actors need a strong physical approach to the work they do. Too often in musical theater we tend to sing from the head up. And that doesn't work for Motormouth Love's Suckface because <laughs> because it 's the end of the world, we need to get the stakes high, and we need the actors responding both with their body and and with their you know their voice and their mind and It works in different ways for different characters so um, the intent for each of the characters within the piece um, evolves and is different at different points, but the actor has to really strongly express that. Um, Physically, Because there are archetypal characters as well. So there's a sense of the archetype being carried through the body physically. Motormouth, classic, you know, physical journey for that character is that they have to start the piece in a very rigid way because they're all brain. And by the end of the story, they've got to be able to chart through a physical transformation where they're actually more in their body. And actually more not only overtly sexual, um, because I don't think modemouts that, but he 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 learns how to express his passion um physically uh for another person. So the actor has to be able to transform their body in that way to 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 do that. Uh, and suckface has a slightly um different journey. She has to learn to be intimate and she's And also, you know, she's not a person who's comfortable with her physicality. So she has to learn to, the actor has to kind of like chart their way through someone who's quite, um, somebody who doesn't actually have a real feeling yet because they're too scared, but someone who discovers not to be scared of their feelings and then their body responds to that. And then you got Blasco, who's the lead sort of um, antagonist in the piece. And she's like this spy, Come only child and is quite literal so she's kind of got a sort of a sense of autism to her in some you know slight in the slight way and so she's um it's so everything she does with her body is also about humor too you know the way she walks between one character and the other one um can be funny if it's done inside the character so and that goes for all the characters so yes yeah, so so they have to discover. The actor has to work, work out what it is they want and how their body expresses that. And they have to mm. pursue that journey through the piece.
0: Which speaks to them, their motivations, the, the Motormouth and Suckface. Their motivation is to, as you spoke earlier, is to fall in love and consummate that love.
1: Yes, it is. And, and beneath that, that's the physical manifestation of it. Beneath the actor's intent is Motormouth's intent is that he is both their intent is to actually be able to trust another human being. So Motormouth needs to hear the words I love you from Suckface. And she needs him to demonstrate his love through um through that um through 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 sex, even though we don't actually ever depict it on stage. Um but she needs a physical expression of it because. And this is something else the actor has to come has to really wrap their heads around is that Motormouth feels um, he's all brain. So he needs someone to tell him that they love him. And if they can't do that, he can't trust them. And if suckface suck face, doesn't feel beautiful at all. She feels undesirable to say the least. And so the act of someone else wanting her in that way, through passion and through a demonstration, it gives her what she needs, and they have to learn to give each other what they need in order to transform together.
0: At the end of the piece, how do you use language in Motormouth Love Suckface to further your intended meaning? You touched on their names, and they refer to each
1: other throughout the piece as Motormouth and Suckface, um, because they've claimed the negative as a positive right from the start. They've they've kind of gone well, that's me, and they've they they talk to each other like that. It's also for the character, it's 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 a way that a character pr- protects themselves too. To go by your real name and call each other Clinton and Rowena makes yourself vulnerable. So these characters choose to call each other Motormouth and Suckface because it distances distances themselves from each other in a protected state. That's sort of a deliberate writing choice that uh, the actor um, has to pursue. Uh, language wise, all the all the characters have their own little idiosyncratic um like motifs like a musical like motive, except it's language that they return to. So um the Motemath speaks in a very complex way. He expresses ideas in a very complex way. Suckface is more lurid. She's the kind of person who likes to go on the dark web and is fascinated with the darker side of of life. But she's a voyeur. So her language reflects someone who is constantly in a voyeuristic state of mind. Um, Whereas, um, you know, the parents in the piece um, use language and the actors have got to get around this, that they use a language where they're never saying what they really mean. So they're constantly saying one thing, but beneath the surface, there's a complicity um, or a subtext where (laughs) they've got crocodile smiles on the whole time. And it's really difficult to pin them down because they take something really simple, like I'm now going to drink a glass of water to, I'm now going to, you know, refresh my taste buds with this lovely spring water from, you know, like they're really good at twisting things around. And that's, which, Sort of like delves into another theme that Peace has. So, and Blasco's language is really quite literal. So, she's constantly misunder- misunderstanding things or interpreting things exactly as they're being said to her. She has very little gray. She is all black and white, which again is all about character and about her not being able to quite understand other human beings, yet she wants to so that. Her language becomes um, a way of dramatizing and communicating to the audience how she thinks. I mean, dialogue is all about how we think. It expresses thoughts, you know, um, as well as plot devices and exposition and stuff like that. But it, it lets us know what a character's thinking when we want the audience to know what the, what the character is thinking. Maybe not always. Maybe sometimes we want them to think. They know what they're thinking, but think something. Anyway, I'll stop there. I'm going down a rabbit hole.
0: Use of language is so important. Uh, unique to musical theatre is song. Can you talk about how language and song work together in Motormouth Love Suck Face?
1: When I'm writing a lyric um, for, a sh- for a character, it's got to feel like the character as well. It's got to be an extension of how the character speaks. <clears throat> and, of course, you want to rhyme as well. So that becomes tricky to not be um, self-conscious or not make the writer present, to make the the character present. So yes, so the characters all try to sing and express themselves the way that they talk through lyric. Um, But the other thing is, is that the lyric also has to clearly convey the story at any given time and a rhyme because like the Motomount Love Suckface story is quite complex. Its plot is quite um, convoluted. So a rhyme in a lyric is when it's a really good rhyme that people remember, it can be a very helpful tool for an actor to hit and communicate something that, just, that the audience just needs to know at that point in time. <clears throat> so the lyrics doing several things at, at once when it works really well.
0: Do you start with music or lyrics when creating your work?
1: I used to start with both kind of at the same time when I was um, writing The Wild Blue many years ago and then I then I started to work, I started to be a lyricist for, um, for Henry Krieger, I was working with him in America uh, and he's quite a, a famous composer so I found myself um, doing exactly what he asked me to do, and and there wasn't always an, an enormous amount of inequity as we began that writing collaboration, so I learnt to write a lyric that was musical, that somebody else could then um, interpret in a way that I hadn't thought of, and so I took that process of working, and that's a long way to answer your question, but now, generally speaking, I'll write I'll write the start of a lyric first and then try setting it to music to see if I can surprise myself in the same way. Um, except if I'm writing fast and I'm relying upon my, how shall we say, go-to tricks, which all actors and you know writers do when we're writing fast. And then I might sit at the piano and I'll just belt something out and that'll be it. Um, but <laughs> it's always good to, to craft everything kind of separately, then everything has a craft. It's very easy to just kind of oh, fake, your, you're not fake, but just, you know, rely on things that, you know, work time and again, if that makes sense. So, yes.
0: You are writer, director and designer. That creates a very consistent theatrical vision. Is that great for the process? It is because it allows me to let the actor really collaborate with the piece. But
1: that's the challenge for the actor. The actor thinks that because they've got the writer and the director in the room that they have all the answers and they'll be given all those answers. Or not that they feel like they should be given the answer because they don't want to do the wrong thing. But in actual fact, they have permission to play because you know you don't feel threatened by actors playing particularly if you you know if you're doing all those things you want them to play and you want them to discover things that are new and exciting for you so the challenge to the actor becomes play it's okay do your thing we'll find it you know we'll find the answer to this together and it will be you'll find a different way of saying that line of dialogue than the last actor who did it and that's well and good in the way it should be, because it's your humanity and your alchemy that is going to make this work. Sometimes it's rhythm. Sometimes it's it's a technical thing, a joke. Sometimes it's about one, two, three, punch, um, and it's about pace and hitting those marks. Um, but sometimes it's 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 about character and about the laugh coming from, you know, a person investing themselves in that in that character and we're laughing at the character not at the joke
0: that is the end of part one of our interview with anthony crowley please do keep listening to the next episode to find out more about this excellent production for more information on where to see motormouth love Suckface, go to lamama.com.au That is all from us at The Aside. Thanks to Aaron Searle for providing the music and Eltham College for letting us record here. There's a range of episodes in the bank, so feel free to listen to one that grabs your attention. Do not hesitate to email us at asidepodcast at outlook.com. Send us a question and we can answer it in a future podcast. Thanks for listening.